Wicked. We're live. All right. So anyone who's been playing along at home, welcome back to the Talking Average Fitness Podcast. As always, my name is Sam Burns, and I promise I'm going to go to quarterfinals one of these days. I am joined every week with my buddy, Mr. Kevin McCarthy. I'll let you pick, find out which one is the ginger and the gymnast. And we have a guest today uh, inside of the, the same box, the same window there, Mr. Colin Hill. Colin, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, at this point, if anyone has listened to us, they know who the heck we are. I would love for them to get the world record Fran time version of kind of who you are and how you got to CrossFit and specifically how you got to tilt. And if it does go longer than a minute and 52 seconds, then that's okay. Huh. My Fran time's not that fast. So we're going to adjust it for my Fran time. Roger we'll, that. Uh, now scale appropriately. Yeah. Right. Um, so I got on CrossFit basically through uh, a friend. I was a gymnastics coach and one of the athletes I coached, a new uh, guy, actually former roommate of Kevin's. So kind of small world there. They went to school together. They lived together. Friend yeah. ended up becoming a good friend of mine and got me into CrossFit. I taught him a little bit of gymnastics. He said, hey, why don't you come try out some CrossFit? I was like, cool. And I resent him every day since for teaching it to me because I immediately, quite honestly, I immediately fell in love with it. And then we, everything like that. we all have that friend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so coming from a competitive gym, uh, gymnastics standpoint, that transition mm -hmm. uh, into CrossFit hooked me pretty, pretty quickly. And then uh, getting into coaching, I've just always been the professional coach. Like I've coached gymnastics since I was probably 18 years old and then developed it into a career after college. And then it just kind of flowed right into CrossFit. Um, an extremely long story short, I ended up coaching at a gym here in Massachusetts called Pennant CrossFit, which then turned into Tilt 5. And I was going to work back at Pennant at one. I was at Pennant. I left Pennant. I was going to go back to Pennant. It turned into Tilt. I got hooked up with Tilt. Now here I am with Subbury with this guy. Word. So. He was here first. I, I, I came after. Yeah. <clears throat> that much I knew. Yeah. 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 Uh, when you say competitive gymnastics, like I have an idea of what I think that means, but like, can you, like, did you go to the Olympics or does that mean something else? He's, no, he's done a cartwheel before. I've done at least, at least one. So that's, I, I would say that's probably the most common question I get. Like, Hey, Olympics. Like, no, I personally did not go to the Olympics, but a lot of the athletes that I trained with, a lot of the athletes that I coached with were at that level. I was probably mm -hmm. a little bit one step down. Okay. So we'll say probably never reached my full potential. That's a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um, but a lot of the athletes that I trained with um, were on uh, Olympic teams for different countries. My coach in college was uh, on the Olympic team in 2008 for uh, the U.S. team, so kind of had some experience and exposure to that level of gymnastics, competed against those athletes in college, um, never was quite at that level that uh, myself, but, um, you know, was surrounded by that for a long time. That's very cool. Um, I've had the good fortune to to work with a number of people in and around and with backgrounds in gymnastics, and I hate you all because you're much better at CrossFit innately than everyone so right here buddy um ourselves too so yeah <laughs> so we wanted to have you on first of all because i'm pretty sure kevin's in love with you he talks about you constantly and that comes from all the time we spend staring into each other's eyes and that i have no doubt um <laughs> and you are the head coach at tilt sudbury yes yeah very yeah. cool so 
I think this is a, a great opportunity to to have you on to talk about a bunch of different things and where we actually end up in this conversation, who knows? But we've talked many times in this podcast about gymnastics in general and virtuosity and the virtues of virtuosity. Um, <clears throat> and then in your position as a head coach, we've just come out of the open. I think that we had maybe a different open than some people might have thought we were going to have. And it was unique, both from a movement standard perspective and from, you know, a, an affiliate logistics perspective. Um, and so it, I think this is a really great opportunity to kind of pick your brain about a bunch of different things. Yeah. Um, kind of jumping right in. First of all, before I basically just start throwing questions, Kevin, or any thoughts, questions, concerned about anything I might ask Colin? Do you want to hedge bets in any way, shape, or form about our topics here today? I mean, I think if you want some really strong opinions, you just have to ask him how he feels about the crossover double under from the games this past God. year. Um, and that's if you, we could just do a whole podcast on that. I it's, could get, I could give you an hour of my feelings on that, but we will, we'll, you know, digress from that. Really? Uh, yeah, it, we've, we've had many conversations about it. He and I have gone back and forth about it. Okay. Uh, so let's go 30 second version pro con neutral. Hated it. Hated it. Okay. Hated okay. It. No, I'm going to guess then because lack of a functional movement carryover. Uh, quite honestly, not even that it has no, like in terms of like functional movement carryover, any like methodology standpoint, nothing to do with that. In my very quick opinion, it was too hokey. And mm -hmm. I use that word for lack of a better term. Yeah. I think it was a super, super simple, low hanging fruit progression, single, double, triple. We've been right. seeing high level games, level athletes practicing triple unders yep. for a long time. We've yep. never seen them in a competition format or at least a sanctioned CrossFit uh, competition format. Yep. And it would have been very easy to just go single, double, triple, and then move on to that. Right. We'll call it a press handstand on the parallel, whatever, uh, to move right onto that. Because I think you just see what happened. None of the female athletes finished. Now the whole situation with Danielle Brandon, I don't, whatever the judge was, whatever. Right. But none of the female athletes finished what maybe one or two on the male side got mm -hmm. to the parallettes and maybe one or two finished the entire workout. Yeah. Right. Well, in my opinion, it was just a little bit too hokey. Mm -hmm. I think if you had just done triple unders, that would have been a great test. They would have been able to get through it. It would have been more about their speed proficiency on a higher skill jump rope movement. And could you get onto the parallettes? We didn't even sure. see athletes could really traverse like press the handstand and traverse the parallettes because right. nobody got there mm. so Best i just opportunity. think it was, a, it was a little too hokey in a game in a crossfit games where we're already seeing seeing all of these different things which i'm not against at all sure i think you're just throwing a little bit too much at people and it just got a little bit too gimmicky if you will maybe that's a better word no i i think that's a i think that's a great way to to kind of sum that up and Especially when you think about the, like the test that could have been single, double, triple, you know, high skill monostructural movement under fatigue with a high skill parallel, hand, parallel handstand walk, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that from a progression standpoint as a test, that seems like a, a simpler, more elegant solution. So I'm right there along with you. Yeah. Um, it came about. Do you have grade school jump rope tricks? Like that's what it became by the end of that. Which, yeah. 
are your biceps small yeah. enough that you can cross your arms across? Yeah. Like, my arms yeah. don't that far. Right? Yeah. Anyway. Lats are too tight. <laughs> All right. So let's, <clears throat> let's talk then kind of like about the open in general. So going into the open, I was convinced that we were going to see 12.1 as a repeat for the first workout. And I was, I'm thinking to myself, all right, Boz has a penchant for simplicity and kind of classic CrossFit. We've been waiting for it. It's seven years later or something like that. Um, no, it's 11 years later. Lord. And yeah, we're, we're all old. Um, <laughs> that long? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Turns out math is a bitch. And, uh, and I was, I was blown away. We had like a, you know, a, yes, a repeat, but like a five movement chipper and ring muscle-ups in the, in the first, in the first workout. In general, when you look back on, um, the open season that we just experienced, you know, like what kind of comes to mind, you know, in any way, shape or form as an affiliate, a uh, person who's running it in affiliate as a gymnast, et cetera. So my initial thoughts is I love the open this year. I, I really was happy with the way they did the programming. I think it would had a really good balance of movements, of skill, of strength, of endurance. And so I, I thought really well programmed again, you know, take it, take it with a grain of salt coming from me. Sure. Um, but I'll tell you what I really did like that they did and did not do is they didn't shy away from um higher skill movements and heavier barbells. Yep. Now, if you look at that snatch workout in the grand scheme of things, the 225-155 snatch for your high-level games athletes. Sure. Not a super heavy bar at that point in the workout it does become challenging for them Different as a ball game. You know, yep. relatively speaking, but it is still a relatively heavy bar, especially for the majority population. So they didn't shy away from a heavy barbell. They didn't shy away from higher skill movements which you saw with the ring muscle-ups. Mm -hmm with the strict handstand push-ups, yep. um, I love because we've been, I think a lot of people that I've talked to in the last couple of years with the introduction of quarterfinals now saying like, we're not going to see that in the open anymore. Hmm. Uh, yep. This guy being one of them. Um, we're not going to see that in the open anymore. You're going to have to earn your heavy barbell in quarterfinals. You're going to have to do quarterfinals to do your handstand push-ups, um, ring muscle, whatever it might be. Some of that stuff. And I'm really glad that CrossFit didn't go that route because then you're taking away part of what CrossFit is. CrossFit is not in, not in its entirety, right? There's a lot more to it, but it is heavy barbells. It is high skill gymnastics. That's all part of it. Sure. So if we're going to take that out and just say, hey, sorry, guys, like you don't get to see that during the open. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been a miss on CrossFit. And I also think that um, sometimes... Sometimes simple is elegant like that. I mean, the running and that burpee pull up, what a workout, right? What a workout, but it was work also heavy barbell. So you gave people both work capacity and strength. And I think that was so eloquently programmed that way. Um, and the, the first part didn't interfere with that second part as much as maybe a lot of people thought it would. <laughs> Except that you had no time and had to go into a heavy. Yeah, I mean, you had to go, you had to go, but once you got a few reps under your belt. You're like, all right, I feel all right. Like, sure. Let's just, let's go. Maybe seven minutes would have been a little bit better. H hang on a second. A few reps. How many reps of the thruster did you get, Colin? Four or five. Wow. Okay. So I think, I, I would think that most people would be like happy with three reps. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that someone felt good 
quote unquote, well, by well, the time they got a couple ribs. Also, also, to be fair, like it definitely was for both of us was a benefit. Like we had each other helping. We shared a bar. Yeah. The thrusters. Yeah. We were yeah. Like, so while he was like, you know, chalking his hands, preparing for his next lift, like I, what do you want Swap on there? Out, I would plates yeah. on. He could hit it. Kevin, what do you want? He changed the plates. Yeah. I'd do it. So we kind of went back and oh, forth. Just like you go, I go. Yeah. So we ended up getting a good amount of thrusters in, in that five minute window because we shared a bar, not by plan, yeah. um, but because the bar that I had set out for myself was That's um, right. was taken by, by someone else. Someone else Somebody just, bogarted it. Like, oh, this is my bar now. I was like, all right. Oh, cool. All right. So we got to the thruster after, as we found out after Colin beat me by half a burpee pull-up. Just the mm. pull-up portion. Hey, that's a full rep. It's a full that rep. Doesn't matter if it was half, whatever. That's a full rep on yep, the scoreboard. Yep. Reps yep. a rep. So after doing it, like he's coming over to his barbell. He did a thruster at one thirty-five. I came over. I was like, "We're sharing a bar now." And just, <laughs> just, just so you're aware, okay, we're going to share a bar. Noted. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it worked out great because it was, was kind of like he would do one, and then instead of one of us just standing around, like, "Oh, when should I go again?" I was like, "He did one." I do one. Change out the weight, yeah. and then I just did one. And yeah. then we change out the weight, and he would do one. And we're also yeah. it actually worked out really well. I think I did, I think I did three total thrusters because yeah. I had like a plan. Of my head, like if I can hit one eighty five, with the fact that I haven't like cleaned or thrustered in a while because I've been mm-hmm. dealing with back hip stuff and then soccer stuff. So I was like, if I can hit one eighty five without pooping my spine out, <laughs> I'd be ecstatic. I'm just yeah. gonna call it there. I'm just gonna right. take that as a win. So. I think I did 135, 165, 185, and then so. called it done. And so then the rest of the time, he just had me as a bar loader. I think Which means next two or three attempts. Think, yeah. What do you want? Put it on there. What do you want? Put it on there. So, um, I mean, you saw like if, like you're saying, he called it early, but he would have had time for sure. Yeah. At, uh, least, yeah. at least one more, probably two more if, okay. you know, the, the motivation or the, uh, you know, life had allowed for it. <laughs> if your soul not leaving your body had allowed for yeah. it. Oh, that's important. That was, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, Go ahead, Sam. Well, I think this is a really, I like your take on it. I've seen so many different opinions about, and, you know, some from people who are, you know, regular CrossFitters, some from people who are, you know, kind of like exercise physios and like, um, or exercise scientists or, um, no, that's not what the word I'm thinking about. Thank you. That's the word I'm thinking about. Yeah. Just use the word yeah. science. Yeah. Science. yeah, science. Um, and not many of them are pro this notion that, you know, what happened and what we all experienced was an appropriate test. Um, and so I think that your I think that your approach and your viewpoint is one, a little refreshing, but also two, you've got good reasons for it. And I agree, you know, um, I think one of the things that I keep thinking about is, you know, if you go back to old school CrossFit, right, there was this notion of the tip of the spear and we design tests and we design workouts to prepare you for the unknown and unknowable, right? And so in that there is this there's this component of, and, I, and I've heard some red shirts talk about this, we make hard people. We do hard things so that we can make hard people. And part of that is you, you do a hard thing knowing that you might fail or you do a thing that is not what you want to do. And in doing that, you struggle and blah, 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 all of this, you know, 
um, building of resilience and things and things like that. And I'm I'm looking at a lot of the reactions that I'm seeing, and I'm like, where is the resilience? Where is the and don't get me wrong, I kind of was in the same boat as Kevin, where I was I was assuming that because of the structure of five week to three week open and then quarterfinals and then semis, like it made sense for CrossFit to make the open as accessible as possible to get as many people doing it as possible, right? So that works in their favor at a bunch of different levels. And then using simpler workouts and work capacity tests to kind of winnow the field of people and then get into heavier barbells and higher skilled movements in the quarterfinal stuff. All of that makes sense. Um, but you're right. CrossFit is more complex movements. CrossFit is, you know, strict handstand pushups without kipping beforehand, because it turns out kipping handstand pushups aren't a scale for strict, you know, uh, <laughs> which, which I know is a controversial, controversial topic. Um, yeah. 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 A little bit. And so I, I happen to, I, I'm, I'm grokking what you're saying. I'm, I'm, I'm running along with it. Where, what was the biggest pain in the ass for the two of you inside of the affiliate? Oh, easy, easy question for me. I don't know about you, but yeah, we're probably going to agree on this one. First workout. Yeah. 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 Running that first workout, trying to do that in two heats with all the movements yeah. and yeah. having like the, the scales for the muscle up for, you know, just being pull-ups um, or whatever that may be and trying to get people squared away with that on yeah. in a 60 minute class while running two yeah. heats with super allowing hard. appropriate warm up for your oh, second yeah. yeah that was tough super hard yeah. well because of course you want to you know you have crossfit puts out like their rx and their scaled version of the mm -hmm. open workouts yes. and while that's great we also have uh, a lot of our members aren't signed up for the open like on crossfit.com so they're like well why can't i do this option over here. This is what I normally do for right. us. This is something we always do. This is something we always do. Um, so, you know, we had made the decision as a staff and instead of saying, you know, fuck you, pick an option, we were going to kind of try and give a little bit of leeway, especially for those higher skilled movements for athletes that aren't signed up for the open to do something that allows them to enjoy their workout and feel good about their workout. So right. I think it was like if on what was it, it was a uh, muscle ups and then I forget what the scaled option was for the muscle up pull ups. Um, was it what, just, was chin, it just chin over bar? Was it chin over bar pull ups? Yeah. <clears throat> Wasn't okay. even chest to bar? Nope. I double checked. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, well, so it's, well, I couldn't remember if it was chin over bar or chest to bar, but it was like some type it's of pull up. up. Yeah. Some type of pull up. And so it's like instead of being like, okay, you're either doing muscle ups or pull ups, you know, we try to give people a little bit of some options, leeway back and you could do a jumping pull up. You could do so, you know, for, for our classes, trying to manage not just the RX and the scaled option, hmm. but like, Here's a couple in-betweeners. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you're not signed up for the open, but you still want to play, you know, here's something we can sub in. So trying to like, you know, it we kind of made our own problem in that, like add, let's add some options. Yeah. But it served our members well. And even though, I, did we have a class run on time that day? I think we were over. <laughs> and that was real close like, with one of my classes. I was like a minute impressive. Over. So I was pretty um, pumped on that. We I were, think we were moving. Yeah. So I think I our like, a couple minutes over on each class because you're trying to like yeah. and there's probably a difference of like someone just took an extra minute in the bathroom when we did like a bathroom break yeah, type thing. Sure. um so that was the most stressful okay we have so many things to do and go over and try and like touch on each skill and give enough more time for heat one talk to the judges about the different judging standards especially if you're judging someone that's participating in the open as yep. a signed up participant 
you know, and then vice versa. Give the heat that just finished time to roll around on the floor, get the second heat warmed up. All right, now my other judges come over. Let's talk about standards. Mm -hmm. Bathroom break. Do we have any more tape? Wait, where's my wrong wall? Yeah, I got the wrong wall ball. Who took my wall ball? Right. All the fun stuff that goes into running a plaster in the open is and you know, so it's always that like you know 20 seconds here 20 seconds there 20 yeah. seconds here and then all of a sudden five minutes have gone by and you're like oh here we are and it's you know with so many moving parts and so many movements it's yeah. so easy to lose 20 to 30 seconds oh. so many different spots and that adds up so fast if you lose yes, it one it not the end of the world. but if you lose it you know yeah. 30 seconds 10 times yeah your class is over by five yeah. minutes yeah. and it's so easy to especially do when you have back-to-back classes and you're like okay now mm-hmm. this class starting five minutes late you're already fighting an uphill battle right you're like i already lost yeah. five so this now class find it on the next one so that was uh, trying to go run back-to-back classes was, was that one was the hardest logistically yeah. from a from an affiliate mm-hmm. standpoint but i do think that over the course of all the open workouts, like I'm in full agreement to you guys. Like I thought it was a great open. Yeah. Um, the only thing I didn't like about it was that it proved wrong everything that I said so adamantly prior to the open. <laughs> uh, I like that the most. I, that's my favorite. <laughs> I love that. So I every, love that I was right. <laughs> every, everyone, everyone in class is like, you know, what are we going to see for the open? We, like we're going to see some muscle ups. I was like, nah. Like muscle ups are for quarterfinals because then no one's going to bitch about it, which. I, I still think is true. You uh, ate that one. If you put muscle ups in quarterfinals, no one's going to bitch about you put it in the open. There's always going to be people who are like, well, I don't have a muscle up. So well, don't, do pro- don't program, program yourself. Yeah. In agreement, <laughs> uh, harden up, like learn to get one. Right. Um, well, Give a shit about gymnastics other than three weeks in February. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's, so it's three weeks in February and like the two weeks prior. There's like a five. <laughs> yes. yes. And, well, like, and then two weeks after when everyone's right. super motivated. Exactly. Yes. Right now everyone's like, let's go. I got to get ready go. for next year. Up. In a month from now, no one's going to care again. Right. And then they realize gymnastics is rude. And then they're like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. So if you have about a six week window where people care about muscle ups, and then at some point within that six week window next year, they're going to be upset about muscle ups. So it's just, re- anyways, um, you know, I like, we're not going to see a heavy, a heavy bar, like maybe like a ladder thing, like in 23.3, like that climbing ladder of snatches, like that's going to be the only time you're going to see a heavy barbell is you have to be fit enough to earn it. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be within a conditioning element mm-hmm. and we're not going to see heavy barbell. You know, I was, you know, they're going to keep the first one's going to be super user friendly. So that's like, you know, as much as I didn't want to do your tw- uh, seven minutes of burpees, I was like, it's probably a viable option. Yeah. Um, and so I was right because again, those are the patterns that Dave had set when Dave was programming this with the first two opens that were three weeks under Dave. Those were kind of the patterns. The third workout had some skill or heavy bar, but there was a progression to it. You got to be fit enough to get there. Yep. And there wasn't a two part workout. There wasn't a heavy bar and there wasn't any really high skilled movements until like the very, very end of the last one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's just going to be the way it is because it's inclusive and accessible to the community. Right. And whether I thought that was right or wrong, I was like, this just is, I, I can recognize a pattern that's right. going to be what it is. Right. Well, I very adamantly and confidently would be telling people in class, nope, th- we're not going to see that. This is what we're going to see. It's how it's going to go. Um, and Colin would disagree with me. 
and aggressively. so aggressively disagree with me on principle. And so, you know, just that's why he enjoys so much because he was not only proven right, but took a clean sweep four for four, four game win streak. In oh, that's right. There was one, two whoops, you won the lift. Yeah. 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 So, I was including. But, okay. Well, so four game win streak this year in the open. Um, so he has officially retired from CrossFit. He hasn't right. worked out since. Um, <laughs> came out on top. But awesome. I like that all the workouts were relatively, aside from, again, the first one, because you had multiple stations of, you, know, you have a rower, you have a wall ball target, a pull-up bar, rings if you get there, barbell on the floor. There's a lot of moving parts and pieces. Yeah. The rest of them were very easy to set up yeah. in terms of, like, logistically where people could go. So for the second one, you had your shuttle run and burpee pull-ups, and we're fortunate enough here. Our setup, we have a rig on either oh, side of the fantastic. room. Fantastic. They're, like, 33 feet apart. So what we did is we we gone back and forth on like set the line under the pull up bar yeah. like the demo had shown and then like twenty five yeah. this way and do do another one for the other side of the ring and like you're gonna have people tripping over lines and which yeah. one am I going to? Yeah. So we kind of talked about just putting one in the middle. It's a few feet off of each pull up bar. Yep. What what we found was something that you and I had talked about Sam beforehand was the standard of when you come down from your last burpee pull up. You have to start on the opposite side of your line before you can start your shuttle run. Yes. And so it took out yeah. that potential Complete issue because issue. when you land on the floor, you're already like that two feet back from your line. So you can just turn around and go without worrying about it. Yeah. Nice. Um, and it, that it was, had no effect on it. It had no it effect. Said, it was such an instant, It was literally one step. Like and one you step. Where yeah. you need to go. So. Um, and because that was something like in, I saw like in videos, people post on the internet, like some people come down from their pull-up bar and no like or not getting no rep because they just came down from their burpee pull-up pivot off they go but it's like yeah. both your feet were on the wrong side of the line or right. one foot was on the wrong side it of the line homie so it should be a no rep but your judge is going to count it anyways and like i saw that happen to feet i'm like you yeah. know yikes yeah. so you know that for, I, yeah, that for was... all of our elite level athletes we took that headache out of it um <laughs> Ooh. All of our elite level athlete. Ooh. You. <laughs> Jack. Yeah. Jack. Jack yeah. did a good job. Jack did a great no, job. Those couple people did a pretty good job with that. Yeah. So yeah. that one was easy to set up. And then the, uh, I really liked the, you know, people, I've heard arguments back and forth on this one. I really like the wall walk standard um, that where it's like one line for male athletes, one line for female athletes. If you're shorter, I'm not here for your feelings. Sorry, Colin. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I also like it. It's simple. Yes. I don't like it because I'm not tall. Right. That, that's how I felt about the handstand push-ups there this yeah, year. Well, like, get better at handstand push-ups. Well, yes. <laughs> but it's like it's one piece of tape. Yep. Set length. Yeah. Yep. Hands have to be on the tape. None of this shit. Yeah. Your hands have to be on the tape, and then you're, you do your handstand push-ups. And it's like I love it as, as a coach and someone who understands and respects the methodology. I'm like, it's mm. staple. Mm-hmm. it's pretty much idiot proof mm-hmm. unless you don't know how to measure 30 inches of the tape measure. Um, now we have other problems. Math is hard, but it is. It, um, it, it was simple. It was easy to set up. It was easy to implement, you know, it's like, there's no measure. There's no moving parts and pieces. One piece of tape, hands on the tape, do your handstand up. So I love the standard for that reason. I just didn't love it for me specifically. <laughs> I'll, I'll say though on that on that I I think this is the best standard and again take this with a grain of salt all you want I think it's the best standard that CrossFit has had for a handstand pushup that I've seen since I've been Ever. part of CrossFit. Uh, I started my first open was what 2016 I don't even know if their handstand oh there was that terrible mm-hmm. 55 workout mm-hmm. uh, yeah. anyway but I think this was the best standard because there's no 
tape line on the wall that your feet have to get across. Like nobody cares where your feet are on the wall. Take the length of your lung. Right. Uh, it's just add it to your horoscope sign. Right. Divide if by you're a Gemini, pi, you yeah, get you get a little bit in favor. If you're yeah. a Capricorn, not so much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, anyway. But uh, <laughs> it was it was the best one because quite honestly, it was so simple. Yeah. And it put you in the truest handstand position and handstand push-up position that we've seen so far. Yeah. There was no like, you know, people out here doing the YMCA with their hands 35 feet apart right. and trying to support that range of motion and get every little inch they could. Now people are still trying to get every little inch. You know, your thumb is on the far side of the line. The fingertips are barely touching. You're trying to get as far and as wide as you can. And I get sure. it. It's competition. You're trying to get the quickest range of motion. This guy over here. <laughs> But I'll tell you right now, for anyone who just practices a handstand in a traditional handstand position, coming from a gymnastics background, it had absolutely zero impact on my handstand pushups. And again, I'm speaking from a gymnastics background, everything like that, and I get that. But there's something to be said about that. It had no impact for me because that's just what my handstand has been my whole life. Right. I didn't try and change it. I didn't try and play the game. I kicked up. My hands were where they needed to be. It felt very natural, did my handstand pushups, moved on with my life. So mm. just based on a few, like, you know, little anecdotal here, but it, it's, it was the best standard they have. It, mm. Like Kevin said, it was simple for class. Mm -hmm. It, you know, was easy to set up, easy to judge. And quite honestly, put you in a quality handstand mm -hmm. position of what a handstand pushup should truthfully be if you're actually trying to get better. Yeah. And if we're talking from a gymnastic standpoint, it was, it was great. Yeah. Which we, you know, I'm, I'm biased, but I think we should always talk from a gymnastic standpoint. Um, I think that <clears throat> as I'm thinking about it now, <laughs> it solves, it solves two very important problems, right? First is something that we've talked about, which is virtuosity and as it manifests in the affiliate so often lack of virtuosity. And I wanna, I wanna go back real quick, <clears throat> talking about logistics for 23.1. What's the average number of members in your class over at Tilt? Well, yeah. yeah. 10 to 12. 10 to, yeah, yeah. 10 to 12. So that's, yeah. that's a nice round number. And it was still complicated. And like, I think about like CFNE, like how that place is a shoebox. It is tiny. How the Waltham location? Yeah, our, our Waltham location, same thing. There like, it's, it's like twenty nice space, but small. Beautiful. Space. Yeah, twenty-five, yeah. Uh, twenty to thirty members in Wolf. a very small space. Every to... single morning class. Yeah, like that. Scott said that the uh, what was it Tuesday, Monday that like five fifteen, six fifteen, seven fifteen classes, all thirty plus people. I mean, which great problem to have, but <laughs> yeah, maintenance. Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> I guess. Um, so I think that's an important thing to think about when we think about like, you know, setting up and logistics for class management and stuff like that. But coming back to the handstand pushup, it solves two things. One is virtuosity and specifically lack of virtuosity. Um, people get not happy with me when they kick up to a wall and drop down and then legs do this and there's no up. And they're like, why can't I do a handstand pushup? Then I say, how many, you know, pike pushups or strict handstand pushups do you work on? And they're like zero. And I'm like, okay, well, we're going to have to have a talk now. And, you know, I, I am a strict before kipping zealot. <clears throat> and 
CrossFit has always been that way. You know, we were, we were talking about the workout nasty girls. If you watch those three women in that workout doing nasty girls, there's not a fucking kipping ring muscle up in that video they they can all stand and grab the rings. So they're just dropping down and then keeping their knees, their heels tucked back and then pulling and pressing. They're all fucking strict. Um, and so when I see something like this, where it's like, do handstand pushups, well, I can't kip. No, you should be able to do strict handstand pushups. Well, and then you get, what'd you say? I love that. Right. I do it, too. It, it drives that home. It reinforces it. Like it's, it's a better, better way to go. Like if right. from both standpoints, if we're trying to get people to do follow the CrossFit methodology, and if we're trying to limit the amount of like neck and shoulder injuries, and if we're trying to really train overall good health and pressing strength, like a strict handstand pushup. I mean, I'll tell you, if you can do strict handstand pushups or big sets, your overhead pressing strength just through the roof. Absolutely. Anyway, that, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. And I love that you brought up the safety aspect. I have a bunch of really, really good friends who are high level coaches who just out and out will say, I will not teach a kipping handstand pushup anymore, period, full stop. And it's not like they, it's not like they can't, it's just not worth it from a safety standpoint to try to convince an athlete to do strict and then go to kipping when everybody in the community and the ecosystem is like, Oh no, here's how you kip. And they skip that whole thing. And they don't understand the fact that your fucking hips can generate so much power that it overcomes your inability to press. And that the downside of that is you can't control your body's weight overhead. And at some point you're just going to go crack, you know, and that's a problem for us as coaches. So I love the, I love the virtuosity aspect of it. The other thing is it had this been a kipping handstand pushup, it would have been impossible to judge. There would have been like part of the reason that we had like lines of tape and stuff like that is to enforce full lockout from like the hips, the shoulders and the knees and stuff like that. Whereas if you're doing a strict handstand pushup, you gotta just get to full lockout. It's, it's that simple. But people who kip, they go so fast. Sometimes the, you know, the shoulder doesn't get past here. So there's no disposition. Sometimes their hips are piked back. And so, you know, their hips aren't completely open. They negated all of that by just saying, okay, cool. No kip, just press. Um, and I thought that was a, a beautiful move as no. a taller fellow with a relatively yeah. large wingspan. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, what'd you say? I said I was not a fan. Yeah, well, you know, it. I'm not able I, to move my hips to generate momentum. I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm pressing is a problem for me. You know, I got long limbs, and it's it's never been a strength of mine. And I'm aware that it's not a strength of mine. And I don't like it when my weaknesses are highlighted. But you know, that's part and parcel with the business that we're in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. Building on that, so we've seen ring muscle ups. We've seen strict handstand push ups. The burpee pull up. Um, I think was a, a nice little work capacity test. I agree. I also love that we saw a two-part workout. I, I got really excited when I saw that it was a two-part workout. I still have, I think it was my second open was 2018 and oh God. Yeah. 2018. And they had that 18. dumbbell yeah, 18.2 yeah, A and B. I love yep. that workout. A lot of fun. Um, I had zero fun. <laughs> I tried to go too fast. Well, because I well, go slow, it's more fun. It's not yeah. as challenging. 
feel better at the end. No, because like because squatting is just squatting stupid. Um, and and burpees are also down on it's so far down to the floor. But <sighs> and, then I'm, and then I'm tired, and you're gonna ask me to max out my clean. I love that. Yeah, I didn't do great on it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we can look back on it fondly now. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. No, at the time getting through that round of 10 and 10. <sighs> I did not enjoy by any yes. means. And I vividly remember that the burpees were probably some of the most pathetic looking things I've ever done. Mm -hmm. um, but hey, now what a, what a time to be alive. I think the, the worst part of that workout was the like the one through five, just having to pick up and put down the dumbbells so many fucking times was, yeah. uh, it was like the, this is a dumbbell power clean workout is what this is. I mean, the worst part of that workout was getting to the round of seven and being like, oh my God, now I'm halfway done. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing awesome. And then you're like, oh my God, I forgot to actually do the math. Yeah. I'm halfway done. And you just feel like you're smashing your head into the wall for those last three rounds. That was the worst part of my opinion. Yeah. My, my version of that was, I think it was in 2020. It was the um, eight, Barbell ground to overhead and ten. Oh. <laughs> exactly. I don't do with that. I don't even want to talk about that workout. I vividly, I have a memory of blacking out. I can actually remember when my brain switched off, and Ow. the only thing that kept me going was at one point I got a I, like a tap on the chest. Dave Fielding, Owens CrossFit Medfield. I hop over the bar and he had to stop me. He had to physically stop me and be like, Sam, you stepped, you didn't hop. And I'm just like, uh-huh, okay. And I like <laughs> reset and just keep going. And that's all I remember. It was so miserable, so miserable. Oh. Every single workout since then, Sam's been chasing that feeling just so he can feel something. <laughs> <laughs> oh. all I, actually, the closest I've come to that is uh, 3 a.m. when your baby won't sleep. And you're just like, did I, did I feed or change? Do I feed or change? What do I do first? Just please stop crying. Um, <laughs> and we're, we're imminently, we're imminently uh, waiting on baby number two. So yeah, we get to party all over again. Get to party all over again. Super fun for you. It is I, uh, so much fun. My version of that was the, was it uh 21.3, which was the, which was, was that the fun one? Huh? Was that the fun one? The two part? Yeah. Uh, I love so it. I went like, it was front squat, Toes to bar, thruster, yes. rest, and then front squat, chest to bar, thruster, rest a minute, <clears throat> front squat, bar, muscle up, rest a minute, and the reps were 15, 30, and 15. I know. <clears throat> and so that were, I believe there was a 15 minute cap on that workout. There was. Thank God. Two minutes of rest. And so you're going through, and I've like, not the worst at gymnastics, I'm not the best at gymnastics. I also, uh, thrusters are my mortal enemy. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm going through, I remember talking to Colin, Colin's like, yeah, if you just break up the thrust, it's fine. I'm like, no, but what you don't understand is if I put the bar down. The see, but down, no. See, but here's what you don't understand is I am soft. So if I put the bell down on the thruster, if I put it down, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to get back to it till next week. I'm going to go home and come back and try again. Right. It's, it's not happening. So I had to, the amount of, if there could have been like a megaphone, I love like people hearing what was I was saying to myself in my head during those mm -hmm. thrusters. It wouldn't be pleasant, and I would end up in a padded room with a shirt and no sleeves. Um, but like, it took everything in me to yeah. finish that workout, like under the fifteen minute caps, so I could finish it. And so I finished it, 
And I believe there's like a six minute window at the end to do your deadlift, hang clean, clean and jerk complex. Mm-hmm. And out of the six minutes, I laid on the floor for four of them because I was, I was done. It took every, because I know that like, if I put the bar down on the last of the thrusters, it ain't happening for me. Yeah. And so got it done, laid on the floor, had one of my members, like my judge Jake was like, Hey man, you've only got two minutes to lift. I'm like, all right. I was like, peeled myself off the floor. And I did one lift at, uh, 135. Mm-hmm. And then I may have just slapped like 225 on there and just given it a rip just because like I have nothing left in my life. Did the ugliest cleans the entire, got it. Um, but it whole, I was on another planet. And then after that, so I did my, that attempt in the morning between classes because I had to for schedule wise, I practiced in the afternoon. I think 10 minutes after that experience, I had to coach the noon class. Well, uh, uh, it didn't go great. It, it wasn't good. <laughs> Zero chance. Oh. Anyways, sometimes. Gotta love you. Gotta love you. The last time I had like a really, like the last time I didn't have fun like that, we had some, some workout. This was not an open workout, but it's again, visceral memories. It, I think it was 1K row for time. And then like in a certain time window remaining time was like max rep clean and jerks or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I'm very comfortable on a rower and as I'm trying to, I'm trying to bait everybody, frankly, I'm just, I like to lie to athletes and get them to do things that are a trap. And so I'm trying to get them to be like, this should be a PR 1K attempt. <laughs> Just amazing. Who who would believe that? <laughs> if if you if you say it right and you just flat out lie to them and be like, listen, the lift part doesn't matter. This is all about the row. Um, and then they get they get through and it's like lift heavier. <laughs> yeah. Well, so at the end of at the end of that class, we get through the entire thing. We're talking. Everyone's kind of peeling themselves off the floor and they're talking about, you know, what is appropriate for a 1K time and blah, blah, blah. And, and someone was like, Sam, what's your PR? And I, I told them, they're like, you should do it. I'm like, that's a bad idea. I've got a coach in like 10 minutes. And they're like, it'll only take you three and a half minutes. And I'm like, they got you there. Shit. Got and, so, and so I did it. And I, like, I finished it, I PR'd my 1K cold. And then laid on the floor for five minutes and then was not a human being for this class that came after that. Right. No, yeah. Right. Bad idea. Yeah. Um, so, so I want to, we're 42 minutes in, this is going to be a problem because I'm going to ask a question and it's going to, we're going to go down a rabbit hole. I love it. It's going to be great. So I've had the good fortune to work with a bunch of the, the staff members from CrossFit gymnastics several times. Um, and I have my own opinions about this stuff, <clears throat> but as a, as a gymnastics coach and as a person who was a competitive gymnast and now coaches CrossFit, right? And so we have overlapping parts of those methodologies, but these are really, you're like living in inside of the CrossFit methodology predominantly. Mm-hmm. What is two part question? What is your biggest pet peeve in gymnastics and CrossFit as a coach? 
I think I noticed one. And two, what is the biggest miss that more coaches could address and make their lives easier? Love that. All right. Oh, I'm kind of curious to hear what you have to say first. Oh, so I, so here's my guesses. I think his biggest pet peeve is how the muscle up is taught in CrossFit. It's a good one. It's a, it. it's a great one. I agree. Um, and I, there's a, there's a, there's a lot. Is it, is it specifically that you have to pass through a dip when that's stupid? No, I don't, I don't think that's wrong at all. Uh, I think if you look at what that skill is in gymnastics, mm -hmm. uh, we try to teach it in gymnastics to not pass through a dip, which I Absolutely. recognize is damn near impossible for, you know, 99.9% .9 of the population, unless you are specifically training gymnastics, if you are specifically training gymnastics at a high level yeah. and all reality, that's not a very high level skill. It's pretty no. routine for most, Absolutely. For most guys. Um, but what I, what I don't love about it, um, and we'll just kind of lean into this a little bit here, whether this is my number one pet peeve or not, we'll <laughs> lean into it a little bit. We're here now. Yeah. Well, it's what it is. Let's go with it. So the way that CrossFit teaches it, I'm not saying it doesn't work because clearly it does. They've had success. You see athletes do it. Amazing. But what you've also seen recently is this shift in how higher level athletes are performing it and how higher level yes. people are teaching it. Yes. They're teaching it more of a purely gymnastic standpoint. And the reason being is because if you want to be a high level athlete in yep. CrossFit, you need to be efficient. Yes. And this more gymnastics technique teaches athletes how to use their swing more than their pull. Yep. The OG style of CrossFit teaching it is that big hip pop, yep. pull of the hips, and then through some sort of magic power, be able to sit up from a horizontal position yep. while your body is suspended in the air, holding onto rings into the lowest possible dip position that you can find, completely trash your triceps trying to do a dip mm -hmm. and then do it again. Yeah. And then do it again, and then yeah. do it twenty-seven more times for a set of thirty. Turns up, turns out, changing directions in midair is really, really, really inefficient. I don't know how many people you know can sit up from a horizontal position while suspended by nothing. Basically, <laughs> doing a GHD sit up. Let's yes. just think that yes. you're doing a GHD sit up without your feet locked into anything. Yes. In midair, while swinging on a rings and hoping that you don't just chicken wing and tear your shoulders. Yes. So that's sidebar, but that's also why. GHG sit-ups and muscle-ups for most people is the worst combination of right. movements ever because you're doing the same thing. Right. If you're doing GHG sit-ups, you like toast your midline. And if you're doing muscle-ups, and I'm I'm no muscle-up aficionado, but you're pretty good muscle. <clears throat> so thanks. Um, <clears throat> I learned from Kev, and so as so you learned from me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Learn from me. Every single time I tell him, like I learned from Kevin gymnastics, he's like, yeah, he took that from me. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so Colin's the reason I'm decent at gymnastics and, and CrossFit. I'll take it. And so, but to the point, it's like if you're doing a GHG sit up and then you're doing that version of muscle up Colin's talking about, where you just like you you get your legs in front of you enough where you can see your toes. Yep. Then you do the biggest hip thrust in the world and try and like touch your hips to the rings. Yep. Like. You're thinking like you're basically in a position like if you've ever seen the movie like The Exorcist where you're like floating yeah. off the table and you're back exactly like that. What it is. Like that's yeah. what it is. You're there just holding the rings. And then you have to do the biggest sit-up in the world just yeah. to get your shoulders in front of the rings and like yeah. look for the floor. Yeah. That's the world's biggest sit-up. It's a massive midair. If you like it's, yes. it's a pure range of motion, but it's also demanding so much of the hip. You have to like get your hips up there, mm -hmm. and then once they're there without any anchor point on either side. 
Yeah. It's the angle of your hips to get over the rings. And then, so, so then, you know, you see like GHG sit-ups and ring muscle-ups are the worst combination in the world. And of course not. I'm like, well, I'm, I mean, yeah, like it's hard because you do need your midline for like a good swing. But if you're not trying to do like a reverse decline GHG sit-up over the rings, it's not nearly as bad. Um, right. Right. But that tends to be what, what happens because, you know, that's, that's how people can kind of get their first one maybe is if I just right. eat my hips hard enough, I can get one, get one. And, and to be clear, we're skipping the strict versus kipping discussion. Right. Yes. We're, we're, this is, yeah. This is a kipping ring muscle. Up. Absolutely. Yes. We're not talking yeah, about. I do have some thoughts on the strict. Ed, he, yes. You do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> I, yeah, I would love to hear those as well. Um, but it's like, you know, just kind of going back to it real quick. It's, it's, it works. It'll work, but it's relying. It checks the box. Say again. It checks the box. Yes. You can get it done. You can get your first one. And I will. I'll say you can get your first one faster doing it like that than yes. you can if you learn it from more of a purely gymnastic standpoint. And I will Absolutely. make a session hundred out of a hundred times. Yep. However, you are greatly lowering your ceiling. So if your goal is to be a competitive athlete or even just simply learn to do multiple in a row where this becomes an accessible skill during a conditioning piece that you're mm-hmm. pairing with something like a sit up, even if it's an ab mat sit up. Or something like even a power clean where there's a pull involved as well. And if you're pairing it with anything like that, you're going to drop off a cliff. So (laughs) if you learn it more from that gymnastic standpoint, it's going to take you longer. It is. And I will say that again, a hundred out of a hundred times, but you're going to learn it better. You're going to increase your ceiling and you're going to be able to continue to do them for longer. You're going to be able to continue to do more and you're going to be able to build your capacity on that movement because the swing is what's driving it. Not this crazy hip pop and arm pull and all this crap. It becomes a much more subtle range of motion, a much smaller range of motion. Um, and you're swinging. Yeah. You're, there's less pull. There's yeah. less sit-up. There's just swing. Yeah. It's, you know, why would you use the idea of a kipping pull-up? Use your kip swing. Yeah. You know, stop trying to fight it. Use it. Mm-hmm. Use your swing on the rings. That's why it's there. Yeah. I know so many, I've worked with plenty of athletes. Like, yeah, I can do a couple strict Ring muscle-ups, I'm like, amazing. You should be able to do a kipping muscle-up. Yeah. It's easier. Yeah. If you're strong yeah. enough, it's easier. It's a fact, yeah. right? That's why we kip because it's you can get more work done faster. It's easier. Yes. And they can't do it because they don't have any swing technique. And as soon as they dial in that swing technique even this much, yeah, they, I just see them take off. And so it, much easier. And it's just easier. Yeah. So that's, that's I don't know so if yeah. that is my biggest what, pet peeve. but say it, the same thing on toes to bar, the user swing. You're like, we were doing a toes to bar workout in class. And you're like, everyone's using their hip flexors and their legs to do shit. I don't understand why. Just use your swing. It's easier. I'll say I have a shockingly weak midline for a former gymnast. Like if you ask me to do, listen, if you ask me to do 50 at mat sit-ups in a row, I'm going to cramp in the middle of it. Have to do a little Cobras or seal. Loosen that bad boy up. You want me to walk out 50 toes the bar? I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but I can do it. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I'm swinging. I'm using my swing. I'm not using my core, my abdomen my hip flexors i'm it's just this big old swing and if you but, compare my actual core strength my, to my ability to do a high level gymnastic high level gymnastics feel like a toes bar it makes no sense see i i have to imagine though that some of that so first of all i agree um and especially with the ring muscle up people don't understand how to swing for me that comes back to they have no idea really what a hollow and an arch is yeah. and 
None. None whatsoever. A pike is not a hollow. I'll say that until I until okay. I die. That's, that's it. it. That's, that's it. That's it. That's what step be. Oh, man. Oh, that's it. Right. So. Oh, my God. One of the. So I. Get me all fired up over here. I, one of the, the biggest eye openers, and I do it every time I run a Toto Bar seminar. I love running Toto Bar seminars because it's, it's very, very accessible for people at different levels, and it doesn't have a strength prerequisite like a pull-up seminar or something like that. I spend the first hour of a two-hour Toto Bar seminar working hollow and arch and breaking brains. And then once they understand that they've never been held to a standard in terms of a hollow and an arch, and they understand first what it is static on the floor as an apparatus, then up on the bar as an apparatus, static position, then they make it dynamic, controlled. Now, finally, they understand, okay, I'm going to swing and I'm going to use that swing, but it's not flailing. I'm not broken all through my fucking body from wrist to ankle. It's under tension so that I can load everything and then snap back up. I assume that knowledge and that ability to employ those mechanics is going to be something that's going to help you get to 50 total bar. Yes. Yeah. And, okay. and you know, for somebody who has been doing it for so long, it's, it's no longer a thought. It's just sure. hard, a very natural position, but yes, you know, and, and we all do it as coaches, every single coach I've ever met. I do it. Kevin does it. You do it. Everyone does it. I'm just going to say it when we're like, all right, let's warm up your hollow shape. There's no, and some of it is just for, because of the flow of class, the sake of time, we need to yeah. keep things moving. We're trying to teach different things. We got a lot to do. Say, yes. all right, I'm going to do your hollow hold. I want this, this, and this. But it's very, very challenging to get athletes into what is a true hollow body shape. Yeah. You stop, you break it down. And I don't think people realize how much you can truly break down a hollow body shape to oh. get into a true hollow body shape. I. Yeah. Not too long ago, I got a couple, I did a little gymnastics class here and I had a bunch of athletes and I took the time, I broke it down and we got into a real hollow body shape and everyone was like, oh my God, that was way more challenging. And I was like, yeah, you've never actually been in a true hollow body shape that is going to realistically translate to more gymnastic skills. Sure. And the amount of time under tension in that true hollow body shape you need to master that, to make it second nature. It's so much. I did gymnastics from three years old to 23 years old. Yeah. Right. 20 years as an athlete. I started competing when I was eight. I retired from the sport when I was 23 mm -hmm. I've been involved with the sport pretty much ever since to this day at 34 years old, I still do hollow body rocks as part yeah. of the work. Yeah. Because that's just something that if I want to maintain a certain level of gymnastic proficiency has to be there. I did three sets of 30 hollow body rock or something like that the other day. Yeah as part of just a little accessory work when I was done working out. Yeah. And they're still challenging to yeah. make sure that I keep myself in the best possible shape that I can be in. Well, it otherwise is lying to you. Yes. And it turns out if you're trying to create as much tension as humanly possible, it never gets easier because it's as much tension as you can make. Yep. Um, all right. Beautiful. I'm, I'm very, very happy that we're aligned on that. Okay. That makes, that makes my heart sing. What do we say here? Tighter is lighter. Tighter's lighter. Fucking a right. Yes. It's great. Cause Colin will like, we'll be taking class. And so Colin will be like, so we want you to squeeze all these things. Cause tighter is lighter. And I'm like, that seems fake. I'm still too, like I can squeeze every inch of me. I'm still 200 pounds. Doesn't make it any easier. I 
Well, my favorite thing is gravity turns down with science. Okay, and squeeze a hard enough. My favorite thing, especially with hollow and arches, I we talk about like you know, give me long legs in your arch position. I don't want to see your knee bend. And they're like, why? I say, if you want to apply more leverage, you need a longer lever. If you break that lever between your hip and your ankle, it's like trying to do ab mat sit-ups and pinning your arms by your wrists or by your uh, by your sides like that, which is hilarious to make people do to get them to understand that. All right, so I mean, we could tell coaches, hey, just do more strict hollow body work. And if you don't understand what a good virtuous hollow position is, hire a coach for the love of God and learn. But from your perspective, other than that, what is something that coaches can do to move the needle and make their lives easier when they teach gymnastics in a group setting in CrossFit? Ooh, that's a great question. I mean, since you said besides that, I got to think about it a little bit because quite <laughs> honestly, like that's the big one. The hollow and arch yeah. goes further than anything else. I, I agree. I truly think that, but I think, um, we kind of touched on it before and we can, you know, circle back, touch on it again, but, um, teaching it, teaching it, or if you need to be taught it from a purely gymnastic standpoint. Yeah. And I get that. Not everyone has that knowledge. I recognize that. And I understand that's challenging, but if we are professional coaches, we should be continuing our education to learn those things. So if there's something you don't know, there is somebody out there who can teach it to you. Um, or there's the content out there for you to start to educate yourself on that. And I'm not saying you have to be a master at everything, but if we can start to understand a little bit more of that pure gymnastics technique, how important the hollow and arch are, how important it is simply to keep your body tight. I mean, as a gymnastics coach, I think I've said, squeeze your butt, point your toes more times than any other few I've been in my entire life. Because honestly, it fixes so many things when it comes when you keep your body tighter, you can move your body more efficiently. And I think we need to stop treating gymnastics differently than any other movement we do in the gym. We don't Mm. allow people to set up on a barbell for a deadlift with a loose spine and zero tension. We teach them to get tight on the bar. We teach them what the correct position is and truly the correct position, not just like, that's good enough. Let's have at it. Because we know that can lead to injuries. And I think we focus a little more on the barbell because the barbell will lead to hip and back injuries for the most part. That's going to be the most egregious thing that we focus on. Now with gymnastics, we're probably not seeing as many back injuries coming from learning to kick, learning to hollow one or whatever it is, learning the muscle. No, it's elbows, shoulders. Exactly. And quite honestly, it can be back too. If you're putting somebody into... Uh, an overextension or an arch position when they don't have the proper shoulder mobility, sure. you're damaging their spine. That's not Absolutely. great either. No. So I think we need to stop treating gymnastics differently than we treat so many of the other movements. Mm-hmm. Teach it right, teach people to be tight on it, and you're going to see a lot more out of it. And teach it strict first. Yeah. I mean, if you kind of take the, the concept of a strict pull-up into a kipping pull-up, I almost look at that as teaching the deadlift before you teach the power clean. Yes. I look at it very similar. Like teach them to set up correctly mm-hmm. teach them to set up tight teach them how to create tension mm-hmm. do a deadlift amazing you've mastered that teach cool. them how to do a strict pull-up teach them how to engage their lats teach them how to keep their body tight when they're pulling teach them how to use the correct muscle groups and get them strong yeah. then let's teach them how to kip teach them how to do a hollow body shape teach them how to do an arch shape 
teach them how to do that statically on the bar, teach them how to do it dynamically on the bar. And I recognize that those things are very challenging to do in group settings. I have trouble with myself, even having the breadth of knowledge I do. It's tough because it yeah. takes so much attention to detail. Yep. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it, you can't necessarily do it in a group setting to the way that you want, but um, you know, I personally work with some athletes who want a little bit of extra help on gymnastics and mm-hmm. the first like four weeks of that one-on-one instruction is like learn a hollow body shape. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think that's the best thing for in terms of teaching gymnastics that we can do is stop treating it differently. Don't just say, Hey, get up there and do a kip swing. Like let's learn to do it right. Treat it like you treat the barbell because every CrossFit class that I've been to, yeah, the coaches focus on the barbell because I think there can be more, like I said, more egregious injuries that come from that. It's easy, you know, throw your back out on a deadlift, slip a disc, whatever it might be. Yeah. You're not going to see that when someone's doing a kipping pull up, but you can see gradual injuries that are going to build over time. If somebody's not strong enough in their strict pulling, they're not proficient enough with their hollow and arch. They lose tension in their body. Now you're going to run into an injury. It's going to happen, whether it's this big all at once, or it's a progressive thing over time where all of a sudden they're like, ah, my shoulder's bothering me starting to feel this. And it just gradually gets worse and worse. Yeah. The reason that people to Colin's point of like people tend to focus on the barbell more when they're coaching in class one, it's easier um, because it, it's easier for people to understand the points of performance of that than understand the points of performance of gymnastics movement. And that might come down to just lack of education. But the second part is, and I've talked with Colin about this, is like if I'm teaching a snatch, let's say, and we're talking, you know, going through like a snatch pull. Yeah. So much easier for me to be like, hey, pause at your knee. Everyone yes. pause at the knee. And it's like, hey, everyone's stopped. Yeah. It's like they've frozen time. I can now fix things. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to be like, okay, I want you to pause when your elbows start to break on your pull-up. <laughs> Sick. Everyone here, great. Pause. Awesome. Like fix your hall. Like yeah. that can't, I mean, unless you're calling. And I watched him do this at one point. He talked about point. This is infuriating. He talked about points performance in class, but like basically where you're like how to engage your lats in the back of your pull and like paused himself here. And was like, while you're here, you want this. I was like, how the fuck did you just pause in the middle of a pull-up? It was, it sent me. I was taking class. I quit. I walked out the door. I was like, done. But to that point, it's it's way easier to manage the positions in a weightlifting movement because even whether it's with an empty, a PVC pad or even an empty bar, you can have people pause in Mm -hmm. both parts of the pull, parts of the catch part, like, you can pause them, fix what needs to be fixed statically, yeah. which, you know, if anyone has gone through any amount of teaching at the cross methodology, static corrections are way easier than oh, dynamic corrections. Oh, yeah. So it's like, it's like everything you're doing with a barbell, you can always bring it back to a static correction and yeah. make it happen and be relatively effective. It's almost impossible for most gymnastics movements, unless you're like learning a hollow body shape and an art shape, like on the floor, where you can like hold a position. Right. It, almost impossible with every gymnastics movement to create, to have like a static correction that you can make because they're like, they're going to be moving. Right. So I think that there are, there are two things at play there that are really important. First, Colin, I love that you said we're professionals. I think we are professionals. And if you don't treat yourself like or feel like a professional coach 
think about what you want to do about that, right? Like, do you want to be a professional coach? Cool. If so, take the necessary steps to fucking act like it, right? And that includes things like being honest about your weaknesses from a coaching standpoint, educating yourself, right? I think one of the things, once you set aside things like lack of education, lack of knowledge, because information is free. You can Google or YouTube anything. And what's hard is finding reputable sources, A, and then B, getting into the more nuancey things of being taught something versus being coached in something. Mm -hmm. And setting that issue aside, I think that you're right, Kevin, it is easier to address static issues at the barbell because we are taught points of performance and progressions for barbell movements. We are not taught points of performance and progressions for gymnastics movements at the same level and to the same degree. It was, and I remember doing coaching development back when I was at One Nation. I was talking with this coach and we were talking about the uh, the pull-up. And it was, okay, how do you coach the pull-up, all right? Do you understand what a hollow and an arch is? Let's assume you do, right? Don't go to the bar. Put them on the rings. And then have them do a ring row. Have them do the prettiest ring row in the world. And they should be able to, with arms fully outstretched and a nice aggressive grip, press the ring down to their hip and then hold. So you hold in the bottom, check their position. Pull, hold at the top, check their position. And you can set those fixes and do those things. And you've got to be deliberate about it. And if you don't have the understanding about how to go about doing that, there's no chance that you're going to be able to employ static fixes like that in a movement before you make it more complicated by putting them on an apparatus like the bar. The other thing is if you've over-programmed your class, you have, even if you have the ability, you've got no time to to teach something like that. If you're running a 60-minute class, you do a 10-minute warm-up, a 15-minute lift, and you're going to do a 15-minute Metcon on the back end of it, like when the hell are you teaching? Never mind what you're teaching. You know, it's that, and that's one of the things that I constantly struggle with in some of the work that I do with other coaches is getting them to understand that they're not doing their athletes, they're not doing their athletes a service in having them do more just by throwing volume at them, throwing barbell work at them and throwing a Metcon at the end. They need to turn that more into better and shift that energy from, hey, just go do this to I'm going to work the shit out of you for five minutes and you're never going to forget it, you know? And they'll get more out of that five-minute window than they will out of another five-by-five back, five back squat. Spend, spend that five minutes teaching your athletes and having them hold a true hollow position. And if you don't know what we talk about when, the, when we talk about a true hollow, for the love of God, go to go to a CrossFit gymnastics course. Let's, let's I'll, I'll throw those guys a, a bone. I love them to death. And you'll get CEUs if you're a level three. Go. Go do it. It's a great course. Um, and learn. If you don't know, learn. And if you are even questioning whether or not you know, you don't know. So just go. <laughs> uh, that Harry Potter question, the Harry Potter quote. You if, if, yeah. If, yeah, you, if you already know, you need only ask. And if you have to ask, you'll never know. I know Harry I liked you. Always yeah. hit him. Yeah. Always hit him. Well, we lied to ourselves and told told ourselves we were going to aim for 
you know, 40 minutes and we've gone a half hour past that. Um, I know. Very close. Ballpark, almost double. Uh, Colin, final thoughts about either the open or, you know, gymnastics or anything like that. Anything you want to contribute before we kick you free and let you go about your day? Yeah. Couple, couple quick thoughts. Well, uh, first one, love the open. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I'll leave you with this. If they had done seven minutes of burpees, huge disservice to the CrossFit community. Oh. Great job doing that CrossFit. Interesting. And if you want to talk about that another time, I will go down that rabbit hole for sure. I, um, I can see the I can see the merits of your point. So, um, so we're going to have Colin on for a second podcast. Right, we'll talk sure. about that another time. But great job with the CrossFit Open this year. I absolutely loved it from a few different standpoints, and I can keep talking about that another time if you want. Second thing, when it comes to gymnastics, um, let's stop treating it differently. Okay? Yeah. Gymnastics is just as, if not more complex than barbell movements. It's just simpler to teach the barbell movements. Mm-hmm. It's more accessible for everyone to teach barbell movements. It's easier to scale barbell movements, yeah. but gymnastics is just as complex. So let's stop brushing it under the rug and let's really focus on uh, teaching it well. And if we don't know how to teach it well, let's educate ourselves as coaches. I love that. Well said. Kevin? Uh, I'm just going to kind of agree with everything Colin just said. I really enjoyed the Open this year. I've never been or never have I enjoyed being proven wrong more um, than this this, than this year in the Open. That. I love that for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Never have I been more happy to be proven wrong. I had a ton of fun with this year's workouts. I think they were really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and exact same thing on the gymnastics. Pike's not a hollow. Does. Yeah, I just <laughs> can't work right there. Yeah. Trigger work. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, Colin, we're, we're definitely going to have you back. This was a shit ton of fun. Um, for everyone who listened this long into it, congratulations. Um, it will, we'll come back next week with something completely different. So thank you everybody. Colin, thank you so much. I appreciate your time, sir. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. See you everybody. Take care. See ya.